The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Zidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them, And went on his way. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow, can you talk about an about face? The crowd uh, gathered in the synagogue there, uh, one moment is hailing him as the hometown hero, Joseph's son. We know this guy. And they are excited. And the next moment, they are trying to throw him off a cliff. What happened? To give us a little bit more context to uh, what's going on here, uh, we might do well to remember that Jesus, when he came in and he picked up this scroll of Isaiah, and we don't know if this was the appointed text, like a lectionary text that's appointed for the day, or if Jesus requested this, but he goes to this text and he reads this text, and this text from Isaiah was known to be a text that proclaimed what the Messiah would do when he comes. What the Savior, the Anointed One, would do. He would proclaim good news to the poor. He would set the captives free and let the oppressed go free. He would bring recovery of sight to the blind. 
and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, good things that only the king, the Messiah, could do. For centuries, the people of Israel had waited for this Messiah to come. And now, in their hearing, Jesus reads this text. And with their eyes fixed on him, Jesus says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. He said, Folks, it's me. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you've been waiting for. And today I'm kicking off all of this stuff. All of this good news, this year of the Lord's favor, setting the oppressed free, it begins now. It begins in me. And thus far, the people were ecstatic. The Messiah? Joseph's son? Yes! Because, I mean, that means really good things for us. I mean, he's been doing good things down in Capernaum, but now he's here. What's he going to do in his hometown? This was a status thing for them. This was great. This was good news. And not only for them, but for all of Israel. But that's where things start to go downhill. Because Jesus says, yes, for you, for Capernaum, for all of Israel. But let me remind you about this. Remember that the prophets of old, of Israel, when they came, did they minister only in Israel? No. No, in fact, the word that God had given to them was not for Israel only, but for all people. And this is exemplified in the two stories that Jesus lifts up. He points to the ministry of Elijah, who was sent to Israel And indeed, through whom God uh, had proclaimed a a, a drought, which resulted in a famine. And Jesus points out that there were many widows affected by this in Israel. Many people suffered from this. But to whom did God send his prophet Elijah to bring relief? Not to any widow in Israel, but to a widow in a Gentile nation. Sidon, in the town of Zarephath. Similarly, in the time of Elijah, there were many people of Israel who were stricken with the disease of leprosy. Many Israelite lepers that Elijah might have been sent to to bring healing, but it was Naaman, a Syrian general, one of the oppressors, the enemy, who comes to Elisha and is healed of his leprosy. Jesus is highlighting that the Messiah, yes, he's coming for Israel, but not for Israel only. The Messiah, the anointed one, the king is king of all. He is Lord of all. He has come to be savior of all people. Israelites, yes, but Gentiles too. And it is this that enraged the people that were in that synagogue that day. 
You know, you've experienced the same thing. Don't kid yourself. We could look down on the people of Nazareth, but you know, somehow my cake doesn't taste quite as sweet when I know that my enemy gets a slice of the cake too. In fact, I'll even pass the, you know, I don't like cake. I'm a pie guy now. We, we, we don't like it when our neighbors, whom we are adversaries with, receive some blessing. We don't want to share in that blessing. We want to see our neighbors suffer when they're our enemy. That's the way of our human spirit. We're just like the people of Nazareth. You know, when, when Jesus proclaimed this word, he was proclaiming a very difficult truth that the people of Nazareth and ultimately of Israel as, almost as a whole, with a few disciples as an exception, found too difficult to bear. You know, this word that Jesus spoke, this truth of who he was and of his mission and of God's love for all people, it was offensive to them. And they would rather kill him and await some other Messiah (laughs) to come and save them than to hear the truth that he proclaimed. You know, we do the same thing. When Jesus' words offend us, when they cut against what we assume to be true according to our own private beliefs, apart from Scripture, when his words offend us, we just want to say, no, no thanks. Put up the hand, put up the block. We want to have a hold on our understanding of what truth is. But here is Jesus, the embodiment of truth, the Word of God incarnate, who comes and speaks truth to the people, who comes to you today to speak truth to you. And that truth is not always easy to hear. It does not always agree with your assumptions with your viewpoints, with your understanding of what truth is. But there isn't your truth or my truth. There is only the truth, which is Jesus. And guess what? When the truth, who is Jesus, offends you, or it seems different from your truth, guess what? (laughs) Guess who's wrong? (laughs) It's you. It's me. When we hear a word from the scriptures, whether it's in the red letters or the black letters, you remember the red letters of Jesus uh, in, in the scriptures, whether it's red letters or black letters, it's all the word of God. And when the word of God offends us, by faith, we must humbly submit to repent. And to say, you're the truth. I will receive what you have to give to me. And if we don't, we're just like the people of Nazareth who would seek to crucify their Messiah. 
Well, they tried to throw him off a cliff. Now, thankfully, we don't have any cliffs here in Stony Ridge, right? Uh, you know, just kind of a rolling ledge you know, <laughs> down to peewees from here. Uh, but, uh, you know, we do the same thing, don't we? We say, no, I'm going to craft a savior in my own image. I'm going to try to uphold my own, my own version of the truth. But thank God Jesus breaks through that with the grace that he has shown to us by his resurrection power. See, the people of Nazareth tried to kill Jesus that day, and there's this remarkable verse, remarkable to me anyway, but he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. You know, here's this riot happening, right? I mean, people are up in arms. You know, they're angry. They're, I mean, their adrenaline's pumping. They're rushing him to the end of the town. And he just passes through their midst. And that's not the only time that this happens in Scripture. There are a number of places that we read about in the Gospels where the crowd is ready to kill him. And Jesus just passes through. He evades them. Somehow Jesus makes the miraculous escape. And they're looking around and they can't find him anymore. Where'd he go? But it's not that Jesus was trying to escape for good. It's simply that his time had not yet come. Because in fact, when his time did come, he did perhaps the most offensive thing of all, for we who see Jesus as our Savior, as Lord, as God in human flesh, he submitted to those who came to him and arrested him. He allowed himself to be put under trial. Think about that. The God of the universe, the God of all creation on trial, that kind of messes with our understanding of who God is and what the Savior is supposed to be. How is the Savior supposed to save people to set them free when he himself is under arrest? That messes with us. That uh, offends us. To look at the cross, at the Savior of the world, hanging in pain, agony, crucified and dying, being buried in the tomb. And the people who put him on the cross, who sent him to his death, we got him. And they had a good weekend. And that was it. Because <laughs> on the third day, he rose from the dead. And that victory over death that victory of truth over all the lies that we would craft and be captured by, that victory stands complete to this day, to the end of time. He will never die again. He has risen from the dead for you. And that truth is what allows us in the moments when we find his word to be unacceptable, to find it uh, offensive to our sensibilities, that truth of his death and resurrection for us breaks through our hardened hearts 
and causes us to say, but you're God and I'm not. So I'm going to take your word for it. Even if it doesn't make sense to me, even if it's offensive, even if it makes my life messy with my neighbors. Because God's word can do that. Look at the lives of the apostles as they continued in the way of Jesus. They didn't have it any easier than he did. Everywhere Paul went, he was subjected to all kinds of humiliation and beatings and riots, all for the sake of the truth that he proclaimed, Christ crucified and risen from the dead and from the truth that he embodied in his relationships with others. You know, when Jesus came and he says, you know, that I am Savior not only of Israel, but also of the Gentiles, of all people, when I die and rise again, it's for the forgiveness of the sins of the whole world. That that truth obliterates the us versus them mentality that we and so many of the world live by. So that my neighbor, my enemy, my adversary now is put on the same level as me. All of us in the same place of being sinners forgiven by God. Remember that this week as you interact with your neighbors whom you have a grievance with, with whom you consider them to be your adversary, your enemy, and you're tempted to write them off, to keep them at a distance, to treat them as other. Remember that Christ died for them too. That even as you are forgiven, so Christ invites you to forgive them. This is the way that Jesus has set for us. A way to live by his truth and it will be offensive to the people around us just as it is offensive to us. But we walk in his way and we know that he is with us. That one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is our Lord today and for all eternity. He is our Savior, and not only of us, but of the whole world. In the name of Jesus, amen.